This talk was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church, as part of the 2022 Summer Training Project. For more information on Summer Training Project or Campus Outreach Minneapolis, visit cominneapolis.org. I met Lucas when he was a freshman at University of Minnesota, and uh, he's been a great friend, so thankful to be on set with him. So thanks for coming today. I think uh, technology, music, just when people came through the door, I just saw people's uh, faces go from uh, Sunday groggy to happy. Um, technology can bring us uh, a lot of happiness. It's an amazing gift. So this could be one of the most uh, challenging and impactful talks you guys hear, only because technology is so much integrated into every part of our life. So the question I want to think about today is, is spending your time using technology worth it? So we're going to talk about that. So technology is an amazing gift. Uh, helps us in so many ways. I love technology. Um, when I was in third grade, uh, back then you could make computers by assembling parts together. My dad and I, we built this computer. We had to put in the network card. We had to put in the video card. We had to put in the hard drive. The computer was, you know, about yay big. Uh, they just came out with sound cards. So the reason I wanted to have Uptown Funk come in because sound was an important invention that, that came about. And uh, I, for my third grade science project, I uh, put the sound card in. It was new cutting edge technology. You could text, like whatever you type in, the robotic computer would spit out a voice. Um, so that was like cutting edge at the time. Now we have Alexa and Siri, and that's kind of old news, but back then it was great. I was the kind of person that loved daylight savings time. I loved going around the house, changing the clocks. Even those really finicky ones in your car where it's like, how do I exactly change the hour? You guys can relate to that. Um, my grandma, Mickey, she's 97. She's had a pretty profound impact on my life. Uh, she was born hearing, but later in life uh, went deaf. And I loved using technology to come alongside and help her uh, in her house. When you touch the doorbell, lights all over the house flash. Uh, in a very specific pattern so she knows someone's at the door. When her special phone rings that translates everything, uh, all the words to text, she has a special uh, flash go from there too. Um, right before our trip, coming down here, uh, I was working in the garden and I had a little accident where I had a, my first of two head injuries. <laughs> Technology was wonderful because Katie snapped a picture of what happened on my head and sent it to a friend who's a nurse. She told us, this is what you do, you get some super glue, hold together for about two minutes, you'll be all right. Um, personal technology. I mean, the advance that probably shaped me the most was uh, the MP3 player. So this is before the iPhone, even before the iPod. Um, imagine like when I was your age, <laughs> when I was in high school, I had carried along a book of CDs so that when we were on long car rides, you could pop a new CD in and you might get seven or 10 tracks. The iPod came around and you could literally take your whole music library with you. So the advances in technology are truly uh, remarkable. And what, you're, what you can do with your phone now is amazing. All the efficiencies in so many areas. So music, recording, it's a creation powerhouse, the camera, um, starting and unlocking your car from your phone. You can, you can do that now. I think we're only probably about a year or two away from having your license on your phone. Uh, I have a, a routine set up so that when I'm about 10 miles away from my house, my house senses I'm 10 miles away 
and certain things happen, like the lights go on the way that I want, the air conditioning is set the way that I want. Technology is truly amazing. Um, and the world we live in is pretty crazy too. Your phone has more power, uh, better processing speed and more memory than the, uh, the technology I've used to send uh, the rocket to the moon. So pretty amazing. So I did ask you guys, what are your top three most favorite features on your phone? This is what you guys said. By far, music was number one. Social media came in second, and then your camera, and then some of the other apps. So you guys enjoy using your phone. It's, it's part of our everyday life. And you know, technology is more than purely just your smartphone. Um, here's some of the coolest technology that I know exists out there. This is the latest in drone technology. So you actually put on virtual reality, first person view goggles. My son Isaac back there has got a huge smile because this is what he really wants uh, to do. You can live in light of flying to a new place and you can, it's almost as if you're, you're there with it. It's truly really amazing. Other technology you guys might not know about, uh, there's a t-shirt company that makes the t-shirt out of recycled crap. The reason being is the material obtained from exoskeletons of shellfish actually repel different uh, smells. So they're cutting edge technology doesn't have to be electronics, it can also be uh, synthetic. Um, how many of you guys have ever seen this before? Oh, okay. So <clears throat> when our kids were babies, uh, we just had normal cribs. But now you can buy a crib that uh, instead of rocking your baby to sleep at night, which often you, you have to do, you can just place your baby in this crib and it mimics the, the movement of the womb. Uh, so your child goes right to sleep. Reek can attest to that. It's an awesome thing. So technology is really cool. Um, I think the, the most latest cutting edge technology, Metaverse, how many of you guys have heard of Metaverse? Uh, so the Metaverse is uh, a network of 3D virtual worlds focused on social connection. It's a place you enter through a virtual device, like a headset, and you go to this alternate reality. You can play games there, you can have conversations across the table from people, People are literally spending actual real money on virtual real estate in this virtual world so that when people go to this place, their products, their company um, can be displayed. So it's, it's pretty amazing. So I personally love seeing how technology can serve people, how it can do amazing things, like helping my grandma Mickey uh, overcome some challenges she has with her deafness. Um, and I love to see how technology can help us lead to flourishing. Uh, Simon Sinek wrote a book called Find Your Why, which helps people discover the things that inspire them. I'm sure you guys are probably thinking a lot about who am I? What am I created to do? What am I gonna do when I graduate? What gets me excited? These are the questions a lot of you guys start thinking about, especially your junior or senior year, as you're thinking about what's next. So this book helps you figure out what's your why in life. And I think my why might be I maximize technology to leverage kingdom impact by sending laborers to the lost world. So using technology to serve people. How can I incorporate some way, some technology that's gonna end up serving people, creating better efficiencies, um, things like that. So God gives us all of these good gifts for us to enjoy and to steward. Um, and yet, uh, when we think about like the one thing that we could change about our technology habits, um, when I ask this question, Almost everyone said somewhat something on the same lines. I love technology, 
I love how it serves me. I want to figure out ways to use it. But at the end of the day, I want to use it less. I don't want to be controlled by my technology. I want my technology to serve me rather than trying to serve my technology. So I think technology misses on a promise. And uh, I think it's best depicted by this picture here. Okay. What do you guys notice about these two pictures? This is a stock picture over here. I just found this on Google. We have a family. There's food on the table. The plates are empty. Where are they looking? They're here. They're consumed with whatever's in front of them instead of the people around us. And this is what I really want us to think about today, is using our time, uh, when you spend time on technology, whether it's using our phone, uh, whether it's on social media, whatever the thing is that we're doing, is it worth it at the end of the day? I was just at Nacho Hippo. I turned to my left and this is what I saw. Again, people coming to connect, which I think we all want connection. We all want connection in life. We want to be, be, be known and to know others. And yet there's this pull, this gravity towards, towards home. I was asking some staff people this week, what do you think is the greatest challenge your students are facing when it comes to technology? And they all kind of said the same thing. Um, students, the amount of time they spend on it is overwhelming. They all walk into the, the center <clears throat> to get some food, and everyone pulls out their phone, puts in their uh, ear pods, and they start watching things on their devices. It's almost like it, they, they're just missing out on, on real, real connection. So I think there's a problem, and I think the hope that we have is this unfulfilled promise that somehow technology is going to end up connecting us. So it's, it's almost as if, if I use my technology more, if I spend more time on social media, I'm going to hope that I get more connection. But the results of what has happened in the last few years would actually show otherwise. And what we actually are experiencing is the more that we're using technology, the net effect is we hope for joy, we hope for connection, but what we actually get is loneliness. I think physicians see it. They see this problem of disconnection, this problem of loneliness. Uh, this is Vivek Murphy. She was the uh, US Surgeon General in 2014 through 2017. Um, he was quoted in the Harvard Business Review as saying, during my years caring for patients, the most common pathology I saw was not heart disease or diabetes, but loneliness. I think politicians are seeing it too. Uh, ben Sass, he's the Nebraska senator who went to Harvard. He said, the actual root of the conflicted state of our world, of politics, and the polarization in the US is loneliness. In the United Kingdom, they actually appointed someone to a cabinet position of Minister of Loneliness. So isn't it amazing? Like We have this tool that supposedly connects us more than any other time. Many of us have hundreds or even thousands of friends on social media, and yet we're uh, more disconnected and lonely than we've ever been, been before. So I think in life, what we all want is we want to find our joy. We want to find peace. We want to find shalom. And a verse that uh, I've been meditating on a lot lately uh, talks about that. It's Isaiah uh, 26, 3 and 4. It says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting God. 
So what I love about this is when our mind is stayed on God, we find that perfect peace. So it's almost like how you spend your time at the end of the day really matters. And there's only 24 hours in the day. We're going to do an exercise later thinking about how you want to spend your time. But if what we want is joy, if what we want is peace, if we want perfect peace, if our mind is stayed on God, he trusts in us and we'll find that perfect peace. So I think our greatest asset in this life is time. And technology, apps, they, they consume a lot of our time. Um, here's a tool that can do so much good, like music, creation, photography, calendar. You can have all of your notes. I have all my notes from the last 15 years. I have amazing Bible study tools that can give me every single translation I could ever want. Um, I can FaceTime people in a world away. Here's this technology that can do so much, and yet, um, we often find that it consumes so much of our time. So I think there's a common phrase out there. When we think about technology, I think it goes something like this. If we use it in moderation, uh, then it's, then it's going to be okay. So this is the assumption that I think is made. If we only use technology in moderation, all will be well. And I think that's what we all kind of believe at the end of the day. This device is kind of always with us. It's our wallet, it's our phone, it's our calendar, it's our email. It just does so much, it's always with us. And yet, it can really uh, cause us uh, to not enjoy all the things that are right before us. So, when I think about uh, using technology in moderation, I think there's some assumptions that if you can get your heart right and use technology in moderation, uh, kind of like when we think about alcohol. Alcohol is a good gift if we can use it in moderation, it's, it's okay. But I don't think your phone and your social media usage is like alcohol. So at the last New Year's conference, Zach Rogers kind of uh, unpacked this illustration of thinking about using technology in moderation with the use of alcohol. And I think uh, when we think about if we want to use our technology less, how do we go about doing that? And if we kind of think about alcohol, um, you know, people who uh, are not alcoholics uh, probably will never become alcoholics, whereas the vast majority of people who use social media show high levels of addiction. And I think when we think about the difference between using technology uh, for good to have it serve us versus thinking about it in the, in the form of alcohol, it's almost as like, it's, it's more like tobacco it has an addictive nature to it. It's more than alcohol. Plus, number two, in the technology world, it's different than in the, in the regular world because when you use technology, when you use social media, you're not really the customer. Uh, you're the product. So check this out. Here are the net worth of uh, the largest tobacco, alcohol, and gasoline companies in the world. So Anheuser-Busch, 115 billion. Bill Morse, 139 billion. Exxon Mobil, 260 billion. Facebook, who owns Instagram, is worth 927 billion dollars. So, if you buy cigarettes, if you buy alcohol, if you buy gas, if you pay for products, your customers, they make money. You're the customer, they exist for you. They have to keep your interests in mind. But let's talk about social media. Facebook, it's made 927 billion dollars, not by selling things to you, but by selling you, specifically your attention. Um, and what the companies are really after is your attention. So unless you begin to control your technology, it will control you. 
I just recently installed the Tropical Smoothie app. I went there, I want to get my rewards. Whenever I get rewards, I want to do that. But now I'm getting served up with little pings and notifications around 11.30 in the morning, especially when I'm close to the Tropical Smoothie place. It knows that I'm close. It knows that I'm hungry. It's, it's coming for me. It's trying to get my attention. And that's the thing about a bunch of phone. It's it's a wonderful gift, but it's it's always claiming for your attention. So if you go back to our illustration of thinking about technology and smoking, or thinking about how you put something, only eight percent of people that try to quit smoking end up actually quitting. And the reason that they do is they kind of quit cold turkey. They don't get into being around it or having it close to us. But how do we think about like? reducing the addiction of technology if it's always with us, if we don't have a way to, to cut it off. We're fighting a very different battle. Um, Bill Maher said it this way. He said, the tycoons of social media have to stop pretending that the friendly nerd gods building a better world and admit they're just tobacco farmers in t-shirts selling an addictive product to children. Because let's face it, checking your likes is the new smoking. I don't think we think about it like that. I think we think about when we use our phone, when we use social media, it's a, it's a net positive good. I'm trying to connect with people. I'm trying to establish connections, I'm searching for joy. We think of it like it's a good thing. But when we think about it like this, like it's the new smoking of our time, it's a little shocking. So I put that there shocking. And I know like you guys, I've struggled with various addictions from time to time. And I know the battle of the war that raised on. Um, and if you've ever struggled with an addiction or counseled someone to struggle with an addiction, you know that there's two kinds of goodness an addict can make. Uh, one virtually leads to continued addiction. It says, I know I should probably stop this. I know it'd probably be good to spend less time using technology. Uh, but, you know, I don't know if I want to stop this. It's not bad enough to cut off all the access. In other words, I'm going to make some moderate changes to avoid this. And what happens? I don't think anything really happens at the end of the day. Maybe there's a season, a moment in time, where they experience some freedom from that addiction. But unless you cut it off, it's going to come right back. And the other says, the other way to combat addiction says, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll, I'll, I'll avoid this at all costs. Um, killing it once and for all will lead to freedom. So when you think about addiction, you can kind of either do the moderate path or you can do the cutting it all off path. So I want to show you guys a clip from a Netflix documentary, Social Dilemma. And I don't want this to cause like shame to come over us when we think about all the crazy things that happen behind the scenes when it comes to spending our time specifically on social media. But I wonder, after watching this, you might want to try to help yourself control technology versus allowing technology to control you. What if you tried removing social media from your phones for a season and evaluate how you feel? Are you really missing out afterwards? So I'm going to start this up. It's like a four-minute clip, and we're going to talk about it. that if it places an ad, it will be successful. That's their business. They sell certainty. In order to be successful in that business, you have to have great predictions. Great predictions begin with one imperative. 
You need a lot of data. Many people call this surveillance capitalism. Capitalism profiting off of the infinite tracking everywhere everyone goes by large technology companies whose business model is to make sure that advertisers are as successful as possible. This is a new kind of marketplace now. It's a marketplace that never existed before. And it's a marketplace that trades exclusively in human futures. Just like there are markets that trade in pork belly futures or oil futures. We now have markets that trade in human futures at scale. And those markets have produced the trillions of dollars that have made the internet companies the richest companies in the history of humanity. What I want people to know is that everything they're doing online is being watched, is being tracked, is being measured. Every single action you take is carefully monitored and recorded. Exactly what image you stop and look at, for how long you look at it. Oh yeah, seriously, for how long you look at it. They know when people are lonely, they know when people are depressed, they know when people are looking at photos of your ex-romantic partners, they know what you're doing late at night, they know the entire thing. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, or what kind of neuroses you have, what your personality type is like. They have more information about us than has ever been imagined in human history. It is unprecedented. And so all of this data that we're, that we're just pouring out all the time is being fed into these systems that have almost no human supervision and that are making better and better and better and better predictions about what we're going to do and, and who we are. A lot of people have the misconception that it's our data being sold. It's not in Facebook's business interest to give up the data. What do they do with that data? They build models that predict our actions, and whoever has the best model wins. His scrolling speed is slow. Nearing the end, it's average session length. Increasing outlook will back up friends and family. On the other side of the screen, it's almost as if they have this avatar voodoo doll like model of us. All of the things we've ever done, all the clicks we've ever made, all the videos we've watched, all the likes, that all gets brought back into building a more and more accurate model. The model, once you have it, you can predict the kinds of things that person does. Right. It just tests where you're going to go. I can predict what kind of videos will keep you watching. I can predict what kinds of emotions tend to trigger you. Yes, perfect. The most epic things for you. Perfect, that worked. Following with another video. Beautiful. Let's squeeze in a sneak of that before it starts. At a lot of these technology companies, there's three main goals. There's the engagement goal, to drive up your usage to keep you scrolling. There's the growth goal, to keep you coming back and inviting as many friends and getting them to invite more friends. And then there's the advertising goal, to make sure that as all that's happening, we're making as much money as possible from advertising. 
Each of these goals are powered by algorithms whose job is to figure out what to show you to keep those numbers going up. We often talked about at Facebook this idea of being able to just dial that as needed. And you know, we talked about how Mark have those dials. Hey, I want more users in Korea today. Turn the dial. Just dial up the ads a little bit. Dial up monetization just slightly. And so that happening at all of these companies, there is that level of precision. It's a little diabolical, isn't it? When you think about it in that sense. I don't know if, if you guys felt this, but the first time I watched that, I felt used. I felt like I'm this little pawn. That these people are just moving around whatever way they want. And yet, at the same time, I love the service. I mean, the amount of times I've installed and uninstalled Facebook from my phone, it's mostly because of Marketplace, mostly because of messages, because I want to connect with people. And then I think I start thinking about this, and I'm like, I mean, it just makes me want to kind of drop it cold turkey in some senses. But I do think there's a, an element where we can either be controlled by technology, or technology can control us. So I don't want to think about that, and I don't think the knee-jerk action that we need to all take is, okay, we're going to run away from this now. Um, but I think this, this shows us that if we can control uh, how we use our technology and not let it control us, um, that makes a, a big difference. So I've kind of thought through technology in this way. Either we're going to control technology or technology is going to control us. So if I'm controlling technology, I'm deciding when and how to use my device. If technology controls me, every ping, every notification, it's gonna dominate your attention. If I'm controlling technology, I'm gonna be present with my friends and family at the table. I'm gonna put the phone away. I'm just gonna be face to face. If technology is controlling me, every ping dominates my attention and you have a hard time focusing. If I control technology, I'm gonna have set times when I log into a computer to check my social media. If technology controls me, whenever I think about what's happening in someone's life, I'm going to go to social media to see if that's, that's really what's happening. And then, with the addictive nature, the way that those avatars in the background are serving up more videos, more enticements, what they're after is, I want Nick to spend more time using my tool so that I can slip in advertisements, so I can slip in ways that the company can make money. They're not really, at the end of the day, serving me. They, they want me to serve it. Um, if I'm controlling technology, my life has order, purpose, vision. If technology controls me, then I'm always dreaming about the next thing, wondering about people, I'm sucked into this vortex. If I'm controlling technology, I'm utilizing technology to add to the learning environment uh, in, my, in my home. If technology controls you, then technology circumvents your ability to do that. If I'm using technology and I'm controlling it, I'm going to season the creativity by using more technology. If technology controls me, I'm going to just rely on other sources. I'm just going to rely on YouTube, on the latest TikTok video. I'm going to try to capture my imagination that way. So uh, Justin uh, Rosenstein, he said he's learning how to control technology. He has taken control by choosing which apps he will allow, which notifications he wants, and then he just removes the rest of the ones that don't 
Don't help in that way. He's the co-founder of the like button. So the guy who made the like button on Facebook is controlling his technology by removing things from his phone. If that says something, maybe we should consider doing something like that as well. Um, okay, so smartphones and social media are designed to get you to use them for as long as possible. And yeah, we still have this feeling of uh, nomophobia. Have you guys heard of that phrase, nomophobia? Uh, nomophobia is a word for the fear of or anxiety caused by not having a working mobile phone. Um, maybe you guys feel this if you leave for Walmart that you forgot your phone. All day long, you kind of have this little bit of anxiousness of what, what am I going to do? What am I going to miss? Um, that's, that's a real thing. Um, so how much time do we spend on our phones? Average time spent by Americans, two hours, 54 minutes on their phones each day. That's a lot of time. So if you think about it, that's 44 days of your life in 2022 will be spent on your phone. So it all comes down to, is using technology worth your time? Uh, are you going to control technology, or is technology going to control you? Um, sorry, I'm getting my slides mixed up here. Peter, Peter Drucker says, uh, you can't manage what you don't measure. So if the battle is really, at the end of the day, when we think about technology, when we think about social media, a battle for your time, how can you use your time? So, this is going to be a little interaction here. Think about your day, 24 hours. Here's your available time, what we have. So on average, just call it out. How often, how many hours on average do you guys sleep a night? Just call it out. Seven hours, okay. How many hours do you guys work at Walmart on a given day? Eight or nine hours? Okay, we'll put it nine. If you're spending on average three and a half hours of screen time, um, you guys can kind of see the, the time remaining at the bottom there. You're going to take an hour to get ready, maybe two hours for eating and prep. Uh, okay, where does preparing your heart, exercise, friends, hobbies, where does that come in? So let's say you're going to prepare your heart, you're going to meet with the Lord, you're going to pray, and read the Bible with someone on projects, so that gives you an hour. Okay, what's happening? Your time that you have isn't really that much when you think about it at the end of the day. If you're sleeping seven or eight hours, you're working eight or nine hours, you're spending three and a half hours on your screen, you're getting ready, you're trying to take care of yourself, well, what's gonna happen to exercise, to friends, to hobbies? Your available time won't be there anymore. So I, I show that to you guys because if we're going to be uh, people that control our technology and don't allow technology to control us, we really have to think through um, how much time we want to spend. And I think this verse helps me as I think about that. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully in the grace that will be brought to you in the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy for I'm holy. I think like when I think about like Every day being a battle, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded. We need to choose how we want to spend our time. At the end of the day, what's most important to us? Is spending three and a half hours on your phone most important? Or is getting good sleep, eating healthy, meeting with the Lord, 
enjoying a one-on-one -on -one walking on the beach with one of the students down here at Project? What about just going for an hour-long walk by yourself and just basking in the beauty of the creation before us? Uh, we've been, uh, we, we stay at a house right over here by the marsh, and every night, me and the, uh, Katie and the boys, we just look out at the sunrise going down. It is just wonderful. It's remarkable. So we control how we spend our time. Okay, so my recommendation for you guys is to uh, think about being a steward of the time that God has given you. And there was a night a few years ago, after we had kids, uh, we had a normal day, um, and man, days with kids, we have so much fun. I love spending time with Katie and the boys. Uh, it's a lot of fun, I treasure them. And man, our schedule is full to the brim. You start adding in all the activities, the caring for other people, your time chart, there's not a lot of time left over. And uh, probably 9, 9.30, we get into bed, get on our phones, start scrolling. Katie looks at me, she's like, Nick, why, why are we doing? <laughs> we haven't even had 10 minutes to talk all day. I just want to connect with you. I don't want to be scrolling on our phones. And it was like this wake-up call. Like, you're right. What are we doing? Why are we, we're, here's a person, my wife. She wants connection with me, and here I am, like, going to something because I think it's going to bring me life. So we had a wake-up call. And after that, we, uh, we kind of instituted some, some changes in our life because we didn't want technology to dominate us. And uh, I'm not sure if you can hit the next slide. Yeah, so we kind of came up with this technology creep. We read a lot of different books. Um, I have some notes that I'll, I can send you guys. Um, kind of create a creed of how we want to live. And one of the first things we came up with is uh, we read this book and it talked about creating more than you consume. So that's one of our creeds. We'll create more than we consume. So creation could be writing, could be playing music, could be reading, could be just doing things in creation, gardening, cutting the grass. We're going to create. We're going to spend more time doing that than we're going to be consuming videos, news, social media. Um, at night now, especially after that moment where Katie's like, what are we doing? We put our phones at night in a charging station, not in our rooms. So we bought an alarm clock. We don't use our phone as an alarm clock anymore. Um, that, that single, those two single changes have had a profound impact on our peace and our joy. And if there was two things that you could walk away with here uh, think, to think about, it'd be those two things. Think about creating more than you consume. And think about uh, placing your phones at night in a charging station. So now, 9 o'clock comes around, our phones are sleeping in a charging station. We make some tea. We read, we connect before bed, talk about the day, and we like prepare our hearts to go to sleep. I think our sleep, we're definitely getting more sleep because we're not pulled into endless amounts of time consuming. Um, and we just go to bed a lot more rested. And I think, even as Zach mentioned in his last Bible study training, getting good sleep really makes a profound impact on your life. Um, here's just a couple other commitments that, that I aim for, and by no means am I perfect. I struggle with this. I'm fighting alongside with you guys. Um, but I try to not view my email or news or social media before meeting with the Lord. I fight to enjoy and delight in my family more than what's on my screen or what's happening in the world. And I still fail at this. Uh, I was 
uh, next to Katie um, the other day, and I was silent just for like 30 seconds, and she's like, Nick, get off your phone. And I'm like, I'm not on my phone, but that's the tendency to think about. Like, I'm always connected, I'm always dialed in. But being present with people, if you can share your presence with people, that makes a profound impact. Um, some other things I've tried, and I wonder if you guys would consider trying this, going on do not disturb mode during certain times of the day where you're putting your phone away from you and you're just being present with people. Um, I aim to try to create connection with people by asking questions versus it can be easy to like go to their Instagram page, go to their Facebook page and find out what's happening in their lives versus just, hey, just ask them some questions and find out. Um, this one I, I really struggle with and maybe you guys can, can notice this too, but if I'm having a dinner or a meal with someone or if I'm meeting with someone, I'm not gonna place my phone on the table because I think what that communicates is this is really important or even more important than you or my next notification, my next ping, I gotta be ready to get it versus it's okay if I wait 30 minutes or an hour and then put this away in my bag and I'm just gonna be present uh, with you. And um, this last one, this might seem like crazy how you do this, but I now have no social media on my phone except for those times where I install Facebook to get my place. Um, but I create a 30 minute window once a week to view social media, and I just do that on my computer. Um, and there's times where I'm, I'm really good at this, there's times where I'm, I'm sucked back into the vortex of, of using it. So these are just some examples of things you guys could consider. Um, another book that I read uh, was John Mark Comer's The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And I think this whole idea is creating rhythms in your life. How can you create rhythms he says, because what you give your attention to is the person you become. Put another way, the mind is the portal to the soul. And what you fill your mind with will shape the trajectory of your character. In the end, your life is no more than the sum of what you gave your attention to. That bodes well for those purposes of Jesus who give the bulk of their attention to him and do all that is good, beautiful, and true to his word. But for those who give their attention to the 24-7 news cycle of outrage and anxiety, emotion, charged drama, or the non-stop feed of celebrity gossip, titillation, and cultural drive, as if we give into it in the first page, much of it is stolen by a clever algorithm to monetize our precious attention. But again, we become what we give our attention to, for better or worse. So what are you guys going to give your attention to? Today might be the first time you're really thinking about that. Maybe you're thinking, hey, I answered Nick's little survey. I don't want to spend as much time on my, my device. Um, but what, what can I actually do? I think there's a lot of you know, recommendations of, of what's next. Maybe you think about the rest of the project as a season. Um, maybe there's things you can do like uh, taking inventory of your time, pulling up that chart, thinking, how much time did I actually spend? You know, all your devices now have a screen time notification. Maybe you get the weekly reminder of how much time you spent on the things. Now again, using your phone is not a bad thing. It's not evil. Uh, it's actually a great gift God has given you. And if you can control your technology, it can actually serve you. But if you, if you give in and allow it to control you, you're just kind of like a pawn that we saw in that documentary. So, I want you guys to just uh, break up into small groups, three or four, and I want you guys to think through these questions. 
what surprised you? What would you like to change in your own life? And what's one step you can make while a project? So just groups of three or four, just for the next few minutes, and then we'll end. All right, now that was only a couple minutes. Um, I hope that this could fuel more conversation. If you guys have more questions about practical things, like how do I do this, or how do you think through this, um, I recommend a lot of great books and have some notes pages we'll be happy to send to you. So let me just pray for us, and then Lucas is going to come up and meet us. Father, thank you for all of the good gifts you've given us. To think about the advances in technology, the ways that so many people are served um, by the, the amazing creation um, that you have done. Um, and God, we want to be a good steward of the time that you've entrusted to us. We want a connection with people. We all want to be known. We all want to know others. So I pray that technology wouldn't control us, wouldn't dominate our lives, but that we would control our technology. We would seek to serve you um, through the time that you've given us, and that we would find a perfect peace that can only be found by those whose mind is stay on you. It's a battle for our attention in this world. It's a battle for our time. So help us prepare our minds um, for action. Help us, by your spirit, um, navigate how we are spending our time, and if we do need to make changes, um, check in. I'm, I'm helped by even thinking about giving this talk, because there's areas and commitments that I've made that I want to go back and revisit. I need help. So thank you that you've given us a community down here at Project to talk about this work, to, to navigate these unique challenges that you've placed in us. Help us look to you um, as we think about using our technology um, to give you both the in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the 2022 Summer Training Project hosted by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church. Please feel free to share this message with others, but please don't charge, edit, or alter the content in any way without the written permission of Campus Outreach Minneapolis.